Hello everyone, my name is Mike Dice. I'm Elias Cepeda. And we are back with the next or the latest episode of the Extra Rounds podcast. Uh, today we are talking to uh, UFC fighter Jimmy Rivera, who fights Brian Caraway in January. Brian Caraway, of course, joined the show uh, a little while back, and uh, Jimmy Rivera saw it on Twitter, and we wanted to uh, talk to him about the fight as well and get his side of things. Um, also, we have nutritionist Louis Giordano, a.k.a. Lutrition, joining the show to talk about uh, Anthony Pettis' fight camp. He's fighting for the interim featherweight title at UFC 206. Um, we'll talk about that, too. Yeah, those, yeah uh, new happenings. development. Um, and we'll kind of uh, check in with him and hear how things are going. And then we'll, uh, you know, we'll also talk a little bit about this mystery MMA redefining conference call that is uh, existing. So um, this podcast episode is redefining the industry, I believe. It's redefining it every week. I take exception. <laughs> um, so first things first, uh, you know, we can't have the show without addressing the tough finale this weekend. So. Uh, for those of you who haven't been watching Ultimate Fighter, Demetrius Johnson is uh, fighting uh, a fighter who we don't know yet. Yeah, that's so crazy. Uh, in the finale, in putting his belt on the line. So the premise of the whole show was that there were uh, 20... Or was it how many people? I forget now the exact number. But there was uh, champions from all these different promotions who came together to compete in kind of like a tournament on the Ultimate Fighter and the winner getting a shot at Demetrius Johnson's belt. Uh, we're down to the final two. We find out who that person is tonight. And then, uh, a couple. obviously, this was filmed way in advance, but, it, of course, they'll fight Demetrius Johnson uh, for the title this weekend. So my question to you is, uh, there's obviously been 24 seasons of the Ultimate Fighter. It's harder to keep people interested. Sure. Did you like this format? Uh, you know, I haven't watched it all the way through. I haven't been following it. I, I think... You know, what I like about this this format is the the stakes, right? There's it's one thing to be an up and comer and get a chance at a UFC contract. It's another thing to be an up and comer and get a chance at a world title. I think it's really cool. It's it's something that not many seasons have had. Uh, the comeback season had that had a title shot. The um, I forget the number, but the the flyweight women's season. The winner became the world champion. That's that's yeah. pretty cool. You know, Carlos Barzas. Yeah, there's real gravity to that. They had really qualified coach coaches that are like we had Joseph Benavides, who's, who was on the show a few weeks ago, um, who are immediately going to become rivals and contenders to someone that they were coaching possibly. So I think I think that's pretty cool. I think it was a big mess the way they started it with the champion not even being aware of this uh, this idea. But I think on its own, it's a pretty interesting idea. Well, they're so tight-lipped about this, the leaks. They yeah. don't want who wins to leak uh, out. But you think like they have to be like, okay, we finished recording so-and-so, so you're going to fight Demetrius Johnson. Oh, he, I would imagine uh, so. I mean, he almost I mean, stopped would the season Would it be crazy, though? Like, if, if you were uh, yeah. Demetrius Johnson and you didn't find out in advance, you were found out like everybody else? <laughs> yeah, that would be like uh, Matt Mitrione, uh claiming he didn't know who his opponent was going to be announced on Bellator when it ended up being Fedor. Like, it's kind of like it's too crazy to even be like cool. If every MMA blog had pre-written the Mitrion versus Fedor announcement post... Like yeah, you knew. That's true. That's um, true. Though he did a great job of selling it. <laughs> he did. He's he's a good charismatic dude. Uh, he's a team player mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, so I'm actually really intrigued by it. I think it's really uh, this format, and I think going forward, I don't know if just having uh, fighters who haven't um, gotten a shot, mm. like you know, if they do a middleweight and they have a bunch of middleweights, like yeah. I, it just I don't know if it holds the appeal to me. Mm. Um, this got 
me interested in it again the last episode the last season that i watched really closely was um the straw weight one that you mentioned and yeah. maybe before that was the ronda rousey misha tate season just because season. of the bad blood like sure. the blood blood between the uh the coaches is c- could be compelling enough to get it there mm-hmm. uh, i take that back i watched the conor mcgregor favorite one just because mm. uh, you know the bad same bad blood reason there and uh, but you know if it's lacking one of those components I don't know. It's not as interesting to, and you know, and this was before a division that needed some interest to be sparking and two with a champion that really has cleared out the division. It's not yeah. the same in other divisions. They're like, no, no, we've got other contenders. We've got people. We don't need some random person, right, or some seemingly random person. This goes, yeah, this goes beyond uh, making the show mm-hmm. entertaining. It goes about bringing some life in the division back. You know, totally. Otherwise, uh, Joseph Benavidez, like. You give him a third fight. He, he deserves like it, but he's two. fought I mean, him he, so many times, right? Like right. it's tough to sell. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, there were some former UFC fighters mm-hmm. that were on there who were going through the process, which is also, I think, an interesting wrinkle. It's like uh, that is somebody going through rookie hazing who's already, <laughs> you know, been a veteran of the. Sport. Yeah, it's like that comeback season. Most people hate that process, but that also made it compelling too. And we've seen yeah. some of the fighters on the episode already have success, like Brandon yeah. Moreno. Right. They clearly were ready. You know. So, uh, also this weekend in big uh, MMA fight news, there is a double header in Bellator, mm-hmm. which is uh, an interesting thing. They're doing it in the Thackerville, Oklahoma. It's like a casino mm-hmm. there venue. Uh, the first night is Eduardo Dantas fighting Joe Warren yeah. for his uh, bantamweight title. Then they're going to um, they have some other bantamweight fights on there, like Elsie Davis. Um, so. Stacked with bantamweight talent, uh, Patricky Ferrer was Pitbull was supposed mm-hmm. to be on the card, but he got injured, so he got pulled off. Uh, Manuel Sanchez, who's a featherweight, was supposed to be fighting AJ McKee on that card, yeah. but they announced a couple days ago that he's off that card. That's too bad uh, because of an injury, which is gut wrenching. Because um, I've met him a couple times, and I know how excited he was for this fight and how much he wanted this fight before it was announced. So uh, it's disappointing. But McKee staying on the card, they got him a new opponent, somebody fighting, taking the fight on a week's notice. So props to them yeah so this double header concept mm-hmm. uh bellator is doing it this week the ufc's done it before they've done three fights in a row uh i think they did that twice i think they may they have. did it leading up to ufc 200 they did it in december leading yeah. up to ufc 194 yeah definitely and they definitely did a double header at least for 189 i don't yeah. remember if they did a three night thing there um and the ufc is yeah. going to do this well they did a double header in the same day this pat a couple right. weeks ago but uh, they're going to do it next weekend with UFC 206 yeah. and the Albany card. So, so Bellator has two cards on the same night? No, no. They're back-to-back nights. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, that's it's like Friday, back-to-back. Saturday, I think. <laughs> that's interesting. The UFC doesn't get sustained interest when they do it. No. So it, Bellator yeah. shouldn't do it. Okay. Back-to-back, back-to-back nights, nights is cool. I'd, that's cool. Because there's great fighters on those cards. Alima oh, yeah. McFarlane, who's a you know, 4-0 or 5-0 mm. uh, flyweight fighter, um, is fighting a girl from Oklahoma, Emily Duke. Kade. Okay. I don't okay. No, I check right, but she's also familiar. like four and one or five and one. Some good prospects. Um, That's cool. They both have like at least three wins. I think Emily has like is like three and zero in Bellator, and Alima uh, is four and zero in Bellator. So mm. you know you could make the argument that it could be a flyweight title bout. Sure. I know that they've explored doing that. Um, they they have need qu- to. I think the plan is sometime in the spring or summer. But hope so. I'm glad they're doing women's fights again. They had some great women fighters come up to the ranks years ago in Bellator. I'm glad they're doing it again. But I mean, think about that. There's those three events this weekend, yeah. and then like two weekends ago was the double header in Bellator 165. Is that too much? Uh, I, it's never too much, right? Like any given day. Well, how many how many football games are there on Sunday? This coming Sunday. How many? And the day before, how many college games? And how many people will watch 
as much as I can, how many baseball games between all the teams. You know, so I don't think it's too much for me as a fan, right? Like, it doesn't bother me. Will I watch every second of it live? No, I don't watch a lot of things live. <laughs> like, I watch live sporting events live that I have to cover. Otherwise, I watch them like I watch everything else. It's like on my own kind of timetable. I also don't, I think, here's the thing. Bellator is its own issue. They don't know how to sell tickets yet. So is it too much? I don't know. I guess it depends on how happy Viacom is and willing to like underwrite it. As long as there's good fighters, uh, I'm fine with it. You know, good, good. You know, good sports is fine by me in any amount of number I can get it as a fan. Is it sustainable? I don't know. That's a good question. The UFC is contracting this coming year, big time, like right. big time. So yeah, maybe it's sustainability issue. Maybe uh, maybe there's something to that. They could just make our lives easier if they didn't overlap as much. But we're yeah. Uh, we only have a couple minutes before we're getting to our first guest. And oh, we yeah. can't not talk about this mystery announcement. Oh, man. This redefining announcement. <laughs> what? It. Predictions. Uh, I, I, I think that they're going to announce the, the vague idea of an intention to explore an association or union. I, I would really, really, really be pleasantly, but shocked, pleasantly shocked if they announce, hey, we've got X amount of fighters with a union card. Uh, signed, and we have a, t- a set timetable for when we're going to demand uh, collective bargaining uh, from the UFC and all this type of stuff. That's what I'm betting. So I'm betting it's going to be kind of vague or just an, an expression of displeasure that's general to get some attention. That's what I'm betting on. Bjorn Rebney is a strange person to put in this mix. Um, if it is a labor thing, because he's not a labor leader and he has no real qualification for that, he's in the opposite. So it'll be interesting. I think you take Bjorn Rebney out of the equation, and I think you look at it and you say, union. Probably, yeah, right. He's right. like the weird curveball in that. Yeah. It's like, what's this? how is this guy going to be the lead for a fighter's union yeah. in his history? Um, that being said, I think Deadspin did a, they had a post mm. where he was uh, collecting domain names for yeah. a fighter's association. So, I mean, that seems to indicate that everybody's got reaction that this is going to be another union, yeah. um, you know, situation. So I guess that confirms it, but maybe he's a promoter of a new union. <laughs> like he's gonna be like the guy getting attention for it. I don't know. He's he's got no labor experience. Like, that's yeah. that's a real like that's its own industry with its own it's, knowledge set that you need to do it. And you can't not mention the fact that it's his wife's PR firm that's handling this announcement. Well, yeah, which is a real which is a real PR firm. So that's like you know just maybe being efficient, and that's cool. Um, I would do the same thing. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, what concerns me is that, like, if this is a labor thing, that he's just not qualified to, to do that. Right. It uh, could be something totally different. Maybe it's action figures. <laughs> like, actually, remember Data White announced some seismic thing, and it was action figures? It could be that. That would be incredible. Gorilla action figures that um, aren't licensed. You know, so it'll be interesting to see. We'll, uh, we're going to be getting off to join that call yeah, after right the show. After and then... Um, We'll keep you up to date with what happens there you can, on uh, Twitter. Um, in the meantime, let's see. Trying to get Mr. Rivera on the line? Yeah. Yeah, I'm stoked. At, Jim Rivera is, is a top contender at Bantamweight. He's going to be fighting another guy who's a top contender in, in uh, Brian Carraway. We had Brian, like Mike mentioned, we had Brian on a couple weeks ago. And uh, Brian was really pushing for <laughs> Jimmy to fight him earlier than, than they had been scheduled. Uh, the, the hashtags... Uh, uh, let Brian eat because he wanted to eat during the holiday season. Got out there um, and some other ones. And uh, Jimmy Rivera took it upon himself to 
to jump on Twitter and to and to talk to Mike directly, uh, which was kind of cool. Um, we love when fighters express an interest. Usually, we're we're bugging them. Um, so we're gonna, it'll be interesting. I'm hopefully we get him on the line. Um, I know Mike's trying to get him on the line here. But, yeah, we're still – because Jimmy's a, a, a really good fighter that only started to get attention when he fought and beat Uriah Faber. If he wins this one, he should be talking about title consention for sure. So we'll wait a moment here. See if we get him on. How's it looking, Mickey D? I think we got him on the line. Jimmy, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Hey, thanks for uh, taking the time out to uh, join the show. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. Jimmy, this is Elias. Thanks for being on, man. Um, we we know that you saw Brian Caraway on the show because um, you you responded on Twitter. Did it? You know, Brian was obviously expressing confidence in himself, but then he came out with this thing of, "Hey, I want to fight Jimmy earlier, uh, earlier than we have scheduled." You know, and he was being kind of tongue in cheek, like I'd like to eat over uh, the holidays and stuff like that. Did it catch you off guard when when Caraway started asking you for you to move up the date of your fight with him? No, no. He asked me numerous times. He went on a whole rant saying I wouldn't fight him or this and that. And I told him right now, like, listen, I got called from the UFC. They said, Brian Carey's the next fight, January 15th. I said, yes and yes. And that was the end of the discussion. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to negotiate like he does all the time of who he's going to fight, when he's going to fight, this and that. They tell me I'm going to fight then and I'm just going to fight. Okay, that's it. You know what I mean? I, I Like my last fight, my last fight, um, they try to get me and Caraway to fight. Caraway wouldn't take the fight. So there's four other guys. And the top of the list was Uriah Faber. You know what I mean? You had Sterling, you had Dotson, you had a couple other guys. But the top ranked and most known fighter was Faber. I'm like, all right, I want the hardest fight. So I picked Faber. I'm not like Caraway who goes and picks and chooses fights and dates and this and that. And, you know, I tagged you in the interview that Uriah Faber had was Ariel Hawani. And, you know, the guy wants to pick and choose all the time. And, you know, it's, sometimes it's not the way, it, it's not the how it goes. You know what I mean? And uh, so uh, I heard his thing. He could suffer. I'm suffering during the holidays. I'm not going to enjoy myself. I'm going to enjoy it with my family, but I'm not going to be able to eat what I want to eat. He could do it too. I don't care. Is it hard during the holidays or is that kind of overplayed up to be going in the middle no, of the training camp? It's not, no, it's not hard at all. It's not hard at all. If you got discipline, you could do it. He obviously that probably doesn't have any self-discipline. I just I can't wait to get in the cage January fifteenth and punch this guy in the face. You, Jimmy, I was gonna you, you go into something that you just mentioned. You know, he was Brian was pretty straightforward publicly in saying earlier um, before you guys made this fight this time, saying like, "Oh yeah, no, I don't want to." When when you were first offered to him, it sounds like that. No, I don't. You know, uh, Jimmy is too tough of a guy um, to be ranked where he's ranked. I don't want to fight him now and all that type of stuff. You know, he was, he was honest about it. And, you know, like you said, he's trying to make strategic choices about his career and stuff. Um, what is that? Is that a mindset you can understand? It sounds like no. And if not, like, what does that, what, when you, when you face someone who, you know, has specifically turned you down before for tactical reasons, what does that tell you about him in your mind? Psychologically? Like, He's scared. Mm. He's scared. You know what I mean? They call me. I've been called. For, I've been called a couple times. One time was like a late notice to fight uh, Delashaw. I said uh, I turned it down because it wasn't a smart choice. You know what I mean? I had two weeks to prepare for someone who is in you know great shape, and I know I could beat him. I just don't want to lose because of, I don't have the cardio for the fight. You know what I mean? I want to be able to push the pace and nonstop. So. And, you know, there's that's that's a smart move. But if you, once you get up there, you gotta, you know, you have to kind of fight for your spot. 
and be able to rank. And you have to, you know, fight certainly too. If there's, you know, if you want the fans to know who you are and keep it going, and you want to get a title shot, you got to keep the pace going. You know what I mean? That's why I tell you know Sean Shelby all the time: just keep me busy, just keep me fighting. That's all I ask of you. Keep me going with the next opponent after the next opponent. And uh, you know, this is was the, like the third or fourth time he turned me down to fight. You know what I mean? And I mean, I can understand one point, but it gets to a certain point where you keep getting off of this guy. You know, are you gonna fight him or are you gonna, you know, just sit there on the bench and just wait? And that's what it seems like he wants to do: just sit on the bench and wait for his opportunity to get a title shot. But that's not how it works. Like you see, Cody Garbrandt, he just fought. He's he's ranked five right now, Cody, and he's fought numerous times, put on a good show, and he's getting a title shot. Does he deserve a title shot? Sure. Why not? I mean, he's doing great. He's, uh, you know, he's a well-known name, and he goes out there and puts on a show, and, and he's always busy. He's, he's fighting whoever it is. He has to fight. Favor was the same way. You know, that's that's how it is, as, I think, as a fighter. You know what I mean? You're, you're at a certain level where you get, like, top five, top ten. You got to fight who, who they give you. You know what I mean? And unless you're looking to fight at the, you know, the next person on top, but it gets a little hard. You know, I, I spoke to Sean a couple times. And it gets a little hard because right, you know, we're at the top five, and who am I going to fight? You know, and Santos just came. Uh, Rafael Santos just came off a loss, so I can't really fight him. Um, Lineker just won, and TJ, and I obviously they made that bout, and that makes the most sense. Garbrandt's fighting Cruz, so I can't fight him. Next is Cole, uh Next is Caraway. He's the next one in line, so I, it made sense. I understand where Sean was coming from. You know what I mean? Now I'm in the position position where it was like, all right. He was ranked way above me. I asked him. He was asked to fight like numerous times, and he turned it down. Now I'm ranked above him. Does it help me? No, but I'm gonna beat his ass anyway. Jimmy, do you, obviously, you know, you plan to win this one. If you win this one, uh, you talk about things being tough to find. You know, in terms of finding an opponents once you're in the top five. Um, after this, what's what's left for you if you if you get the win like you plan to, other than a title fight, or I guess maybe like. You and TJ Dillashaw fighting for a title shot. Like, are there? If you win this, is there really much more out there for you besides a title shot in your mind? Um, I mean, I could see fighting. You know, maybe fighting. You know, whoever wins between Lineker or Dillashaw, or I could see fighting whoever wins between Garbrandt and Cruz. Hmm. Whatever they tell me, you know, like this is your next fight. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take it. Hopefully, obviously, it's for the belt. Whoever wins in December 30th, but it's not. You know, hopefully one more fight after that, and I can get a title shot. But you know, it's like it's one step at a time. It's 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 different when you're in little organizations. Like I've fought all over the place to fight the best people, and it would be like one one fight and then a title shot. Mm. You know what I mean? You have another fight and then a title shot. Here, when you're in the OC, you have the best in the organization, so you have to work your way up. And that's why you know I've only been there, been with them for a year and a half, but I'm already ranked fourth because I mean I want I want the belt. I want I want to fight for the title. So I'm work my butt off so i can so um that's that's really the the biggest thing you know um i don't know what's going to happen after this fight um right now i'm just focused on this getting ready for it and, and, and trading for it and getting ready to uh put a beat on you know you talk about having to work your way to a title shot you you're four and oh in the ufc you know many people would think it may in other divisions perhaps you'd already would have worked your way to that title shot um but you know it's interesting. But you you know you referenced that clip earlier. Uh, people didn't want to necessarily fight you because there was risk involved. Um, you had a good record, but there was this risk. There wasn't much to gain. It's like the Caraway clip, I think, said. You know now you've kind of become the bell of the ball. People want to fight you. Is is that a weird transition? Do you still feel like the underdog that people aren't taking you um, seriously enough? Yeah, I, I could be like. Uh 
I don't know. You know what I mean? You have other people that go out there and talk smack and this and that. I mean, I grew up in the martial arts, so, you know, it's always very humble. You know what I mean? Always confident, though, but very humble. And, and you go out there and you do your thing and have fun. And uh, I love doing this, you know. It's my second passion. First is teaching. And then I have my school in the city, and I teach that every day. But uh, uh, second is fighting. You know, we learn how to compete. And um, to be honest, I, I don't know. I don't know what people really think or not. I know a lot of people say I shouldn't fight favor. Then I fought favor. Some people were like, you know, I was a little upset because I didn't get what I wanted to get. And which is here if I wanted to finish it. And, I got poked bad in third eye, so it was fight was one eye that last round. Like it was hard. And I sat in my coach and I saw talking, I'm like, I was kinda of down myself, even though I beat him, I was down myself. You know, I, I didn't get more than like a knockout or, or, or a submission. Sometimes he's like, Listen, sometimes it's good you don't get it. And I was like, What do you mean you know, it's good you don't get it? It's like if you would have got a knockout or something like that, they would have said you I was lucky. But you dominated all three rounds, I got thirty twenty seven all three judges. You dominate someone that's been at the, the top of the level forever. You know what I mean? You, you, there's, no, there's no question that you beat him, that you dominate him. So sometimes it's better not get a knockout. And I was like, maybe in that aspect, yeah, I guess you're right. It made me feel a little better. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm always, I always want to get the finish. And I always, you know, that's what the fans want to see. And that's what you want as a fighter to get the finish, whether it's a tap out or, or a knockout. Jimmy, you talked about teaching and your, your love for, for that. What do you like? about teaching and is it sometimes despite that love is it a challenge to to balance your responsibilities coaching others with preparing yourself at least during your training camps yeah it's hard you have to be able to really balance it out i think i do it well um sometimes i have to neglect a little bit with my teaching to uh focus on what i have tasks at hand especially with the fight but i have a great staff so they really you know take care of my students and uh you know, it's a great time. I have kids from four years all the way up to my oldest, my oldest student. She's in her like seventies, and it's it's awesome. I just teach you know, I teach the adults to get in shape and self defense, and the kids learn discipline, build their confidence, and you know they learn how to defend themselves as well, which is always important for a kid, especially growing up in this world. And uh, it's it's awesome. It's awesome to be able to give back. What's the name of uh, What's the name of your academy, and and where specifically is it? It's a it's a Tiger Showman's is a Tiger Showman's martial arts on uh, 34 East 23rd Street, New York City. Cool, cool, that's awesome. Do, so obviously New York's uh, close and dear to your heart. Is there any chance that you, you want to turn around and get in on that Brooklyn card? Um, if um you know if I'm all good after the fight and uh, you know obviously to win, yeah, of course that'd be awesome. You know what I mean? Um, it'd be it'd be great. It was awesome when I got to fight last January in, in Jersey in my home. My home, you know what I mean? It was, uh, it was awesome. You know, just walking out there, how loud the crowd was. Uh, some people were asking if I was going to fight MSG. I was like, it was, you know, it was too close. I got hurt pretty bad with the eye poke, and uh, I would give it a couple weeks to let it heal. And uh, you know, now I'm back, but uh, I told him like, I'm sorry, I can't. But you know, hopefully, you guys have a good show. It was a good card. So uh, you mentioned the eye poke in that favorite fight. Um, you know, a lot of people from the outside view that as a big step up in competition and a, and a test. Did you kind of feel that same way? And if so, what did, what did you learn about yourself in that fight? Um, I just couldn't believe I was able to stop everything. He was throwing at me. I mean, and I'm not going to lie. The first round was a little starstruck. It started out a little too slow because I'm like, I remember growing up and watching this guy and, 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 and as I was, I was competing in the lower levels, watching him come up and everything he's done, it, it was crazy. It was, it was an unbelievable feeling in a way. And then, you know, I started building up and, you know, sometimes you, and you should, I told, I told myself I wouldn't get starstruck like that in that first round. And I just, you know, kind of like 
started to put it in my back pocket. I'm like, all right, I got I to gotta beat this guy up. And, you know, let's go to work. And it was kind of hard because every time I came in, he was coming out, and then I would wait for him to come in, and he, I would go throw, and then he would come out. So it was like, it was, it was, a, it was a hard fight. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard to, you know, chase someone if they're moving away. You know what I mean? So I just was kind of just trying to stay in the middle of the octagon and just fight. So you mentioned looking up to Faber. Uh, Caraway's been around a long time, fought in Strike Force, WC, UFC. Was he somebody that you looked up to uh, once upon a time, too? <laughs> no, no. That's what. That's that. I don't even know why you would ask me that. I don't like the guy. <laughs> I don't like him at all. I, it's like I'm going to Mexico City for the UFC, like a UFC fighter guest, and he's going on a rant on Twitter about signing the contract, this and that. I was like, dude, this contract was signed a week ago for January 15th. Like I sent it in already. Like it's done. And he was trying to get on the Melbourne card or this and that, and I was just like. Uh, listen, man, you ask me, I just signed a contract, and, you know, just, like, all this stuff, you know what I mean? I'm like, I, I got stuff in my life I have to do, too, man. It's not all about you, in a way. I was like, they told me the date, and they told me you, and I said yes and yes, and that was it. You know, I'm like, you, you kept asking about this and that, going around, and then after, and then uh, he shut up for a little bit, and then after I was leaving Mexico City, he went on another day. I said, listen, man, they gave me this date, and they gave me you, I said yes and yes, and that was it. And then he was trying to be, oh, okay, okay, you know, and then trying to be buddy-buddy afterwards. I'm like, what the hell is the matter with you? I'm like, why? I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Why go on a rant or this and that? Then he's complaining all oh, about, you know, let's do it before the holidays. I'm like, no, motherfucker, you're gonna suffer too. I'm gonna suffer. You're gonna suffer too. Just like I suffer every time. You know what I mean? No, no one, no one likes making weight. I mean, we have to make weight. No one likes it. We have to eat crazy healthy. We wanna, we wanna enjoy ourselves all the time. You, you know, everybody knows how it is. If you're a wrestler out there, if you fight, you know how it is. Make weight. It's always a crazy ass. But it's part of the job description. You got to do it, and that's it. So I was like, nah. Like he went on that rant, and I saw that. I was just like, I was, I was fuming. I'm like, this guy. I'm like, it just makes you want to work harder in the gym. So mm-hmm. I actually, you know, sometimes it's good. I like it. I like all that trash talk. I like all that BS and the same stuff because you know when I fought Faber, you know, my 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 fuel was really just you know I got to beat this guy. You know, what I mean? he's ranked above. I got I got to go all out. Now, you know, my feel it's just him talking, talking the stupid nonsense, and it just pisses me off, and I just want to get in the gym and train hard and, and beat him. You know, you mentioned um, liking martial arts because of the respect and that kind of thing, and the sport's trending in a way where promotion and antics has become such a big part of it. Is that is it frustrating feeling like your marketing value to the company is tied into these, you know, Twitter rants or throwing water bottles or all this kind of nonsense when it doesn't fit your personality? Um, yeah, I mean, I won't trash. I, I can't trash talk. I can't be like a McGregor to trash talk. But I, I, I could say, you know, I'm confident I'm going to kick your ass. You know what I mean? I'm going to lay some leather down in your face. Like, I could say that. But, you know, some people try to get, you know, McGregor, you know, is one to get in someone's head. But he, he does, you know, stuff that's out of the norm. If you're not someone that could do it, you know what I mean? Then it's kind of hard. Like, you saw Eddie trying to do it at the press conference. And he's a humble guy. He can't really do it. But, you know, uh, you need to say some stuff and be a little more calm. You go a different matter about it, you know, and you go a different way about it. Um, it's everybody's, it depends on person, person's persona, and that's it. You know, and you got that guy, Smiley, who I saw in uh, Mexico City. He just, he's like kind of like, you know, he's he's kind of crazy. He's kind of out there, but it's funny. Fans like it, you know what I mean? You know, and you're going to get some people that like you and some people don't. It is what it is. But uh, I think if you're yourself, um, that's good enough. McGregor, you know, that's kind of, I think that's kind of himself, especially now. He just goes out there and he loves to talk trash and he gets the fights that he wants. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, not like that. I'm not really going to change my persona. I'm going to be who I am and 
I'm going to go in there on 15th and, and, and we'll carry his, carry his ass. So you won your last 19 fights. It's almost been a decade since you lost. Do you even remember what losing is like? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. What's been the key to this just like incredible 19 and 0 run? Uh, train my ass off and don't lose. <laughs> really, <laughs> simple, simple science. I don't like losing, and uh, I want to, you know, be able to come back after that fight, after the three rounds, two rounds, whatever it is, and see my coaches and my mm. family, and my friends and fans all happy and saying congrats. Jimmy, got I got one last question for you. Keeping that in mind, especially what you just said. Without giving anything away, obviously, what's what do you feel when you when you visualize this fight? What do you feel is going to be the difference between you and your opponent? Is it is it technical stuff? Is it a matter of just what's sounding like you're describing as just a matter of will? A lot of times, like what do you anticipate being the real difference uh, between you? Because as much as you guys maybe don't like each other, obviously you probably both recognize you're both high level fighters and it's a tough fight and this and that, blah blah blah. What's going to be the difference for you in your, in your mind on fight night? I, no, I just I believe I'm better than him, and I have more heart than him. So I'm not going to give up. I don't give up at, at anything. It's, it's a lot to get me to quit, and, and that's like trying to kill me. You know what I mean? So it's really just heart, and I believe I'm better than him. Um, come that night, I'm going to go out there and try to take his head off, and that's it. Well, thanks so much for being out with us, Jimmy. It was awesome, brother. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. No problem. Anytime. Anytime. Thank you. That was a cool conversation, man. Jimmy was really fired up, and I can't argue with him on heart. If no one's ever been poked in the eye, uh, then you definitely don't know what it feels like to get like the worst poke in history, like he took and fought. You know, this guy definitely you've got you've got some will. If you're seeing double and triple have pain, and you're still fighting a world class champion like Uriah Faber, I know Caraway has heart too. I'm sure this is uh, this will be interesting. This this bout, it's an important fight, that's for sure. Fortunately for me. I uh, have not been poked in the eye Good. in such a manner recently. Um, I hope you never do get poked in the eye. It's not fun. I mean, the challenge of overcoming that, you know, in your sight, it's so important. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, if you get poked in one eye, not only does it affect your depth and keeping range and yeah. distance is so important, but also, you know, you have people coming at you, or a person coming at you literally from all sorts of angles, yeah. you know, to see something to overcome it. But <laughs> his fight, I mean, I was at 203, was remarkably impressive yeah like there was uh, i mean he 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 said he dominated and he did mm. you know he it's a hard person to dominate too if, yeah faber is a person who doesn't give up and he keeps coming and uh he's proven he's tough like you know people yeah. think back to that aldo fight when his leg just got torn well, to faber's shreds. got heart like but, no one's business and condition and this for Rivera to pull out that win was, I mean, super impressive. That was, yeah. I remember that's one of the things that stood out the most to me from 203 was being there. Hmm. Um, I think that was the first time that I'd seen him fight in person. Yeah. Um, I'm checking now to make sure that that's right. But uh, it was remarkably impressive. Yeah. Uh, he's. Uh, this is going to be a tough one, man. I, I'm really excited for it. I'm, I'm glad he's gotten this fight. Um, it's interesting. Everyone jumps on Brian Caraway for, like, being... Uh, smart about his career. It's just that he does it in public, so everyone knows it. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I uh, I sent you, yeah. If you want, is he on? No, are you gonna call him for? Oh, I I, I didn't realize. Uh, I gave I forgot about that. I gave him you the number. You want to do it from yours, or I didn't know you disconnected. We can do it from mine. Okay, somebody's calling me. Right it now. might be. <laughs> I don't know who this person is. We're getting guest callers on. 
I will try to cue up Mr. Lou Giordano, nutrition, who's been with Anthony Pettis all camp long, it seems like. Excited to chat with him. It'd be the second time we have him on the show. If you want to try... See, the first two-time What's guess? the number there? You could show me. No, it was 702 ah, okay. something. It's a Vegas deal. But yeah, we could try from... Uh, yeah, go from here. I just don't have... Uh, Oh, I don't have the... You have the questions on your... Yeah. I don't have them on... I have them on my phone. You can do get them here. here. Yeah? All right. Here you go, sir. I finally bring a laptop. Like my esteemed co-host, Mike Dice. I'm less prepared than ever, despite it. All the cool <laughs> kids. <laughs> my man, how are you? Lou. Good to, good to have you on, brother. Good Thanks time. for being on the show. I'm here with... Uh, with Mike. Thanks for taking the time out. What's happening? Yeah, man, my pleasure. Definitely. So, uh, you're training in Milwaukee with uh, Anthony Pettis. How's, how's things going? Uh, there's been, you know, a, an incredible change in the camp and the, the implications of the fight, you know, so what's the atmosphere like? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of external things going on. Obviously, I'm sure you guys are aware of the things that have been going on social media. And, and then, you know, the, the change to a five-round fight and not getting that extra pound uh, main event. So there's been a lot of change, but the one good thing is, is where we've been mentally and emotionally since the camp started, we're, we're in a better, even better place. Just staying calm and, and sticking to the script and making a couple of tweaks here and there to make those adjustments. But uh, it, it's been a really cool process thus far. So you talk about that extra pound. You know, does that affect your planning or what you're doing when you're weight cutting when all of a sudden you just lose an extra pound on top of what you were planning for yes and no i mean you know our plan was to be a lot lighter than we were last camp and i only had 12 days you know this time i have six weeks so uh, on one hand yeah that pound is is a big deal obviously if you guys have ever had to you know make weight you know that a pound can make a big difference, mm. but I don't think it's going to make a big difference for us. Uh, we're in a good place weight-wise now. We have a good plan for week. We're ahead of schedule, and uh, I, I don't think it's going to really make a big difference for us at all. Was it? Is it pretty – I mean, obviously, I know you guys are confident, and I know your methods are such that you're confident your guys and gals go in there with energy and, and feel better than maybe others. But that taken into account, Lou, was, was it pretty tough for um, – for Anthony, from your perspective, to, to make that drop down from lightweight to, to featherweight, he certainly looked real, real slim and like and, and thin. Like he's not, you know, like he definitely lost, had to lose some weight to, to make it. A hundred percent. Well, here's the thing, you know, I had met Anthony back when I was working with uh, John Jones when he fought OSP, I think, back in April. And um, for his camp against Oliveira, he decided to work with somebody else. Our methods are very different, so Anthony was very, very heavy. And then about two weeks out, he was still in the mid-70s to close to 80s and, and following the other gentleman's protocol and just did not feel good in many ways. I got the phone call, and that's a lot heavier than I would like my guys to be, especially two weeks out. So we did have to make a lot of adjustments, and, and he did go from you know, looking a lot bigger to a lot smaller very, very quickly. This time what you're seeing is, is, is really just a slow uh, progression of things where we're making small changes, his weight's coming down comfortably, and his body's adjusting. So you're going to see a different version of him on the scale when he actually weighs in officially 
and then he'll actually look different when he gets into the cage because mm. the rehydration will be a little bit different as well because it won't be as dramatic of, of a cut to get there. You, you, you talked about having six weeks this time to work with uh, Anthony Pettis, Lou. Um, it, uh, from social media, it seems like you've been with him just about the, the whole time. So did you did you go to, to Milwaukee? Because I know you've been, you've been traveling a bit with him, including when you came to Chicago the day after Thanksgiving and visited uh, – TDC MMA, which is pretty cool. Um, I mean, have you been yeah. with him all day, every day for this camp, preparing meals and stuff like that? Great gym, by the way. Beautifully set up, um, uh, and it was awesome to be there. But originally, the plan was, after we had worked together for Oliver, like I said, I had 12 days to work with him. And I said, joking around, I'm like, please give me a full camp next time. And uh, so when he was in Thailand on vacation, when he got the phone call, that we had essentially six weeks. So the plan originally was to go out, start camp one week, come home, and then go out for the last two weeks, you know, the last week in, in Milwaukee and then fight week. Um, I was also working with Kevin Lee, who fought in Ireland. Right. And um, the plan was to go out uh, to work with Kevin Lee and be there for fight week. When I arrived in uh, Milwaukee the first night, is the night that uh, somebody decided to blow up all three cars in his driveway. And, you know, he had looked at me the next day and asked me if, if I would stay with him. You know, he didn't want to leave his house. Everybody was telling him, you know, go stay at a hotel, uh, trying to get him to get out of there. He did not want to break stride. He did not want to leave his house. And he asked me if I would stay. And, and I'm committed to, you know, committed to him. I'm committed to all my guys. And, and because I was in his camp at that time, I had made the phone call to Kevin Lee. I said, listen, I'm going to continue to manage your weight, but I can't come to Ireland. Call my family. I'm not coming home. Um, I'll at least get to come home for my birthday for a few days because he had to go to New York. So it kind of worked out there. And then Thanksgiving, we both looked at each other and said, hey, neither one of us have ever spent Thanksgiving away from our families. Well, you know what? We're going to we're going to be family and we're going to spend it together and just just keep the train moving. So I've been in Milwaukee the whole time, 24-7. Wow. And I, I saw an Instagram photo of what looked like. Uh, on a lighter note, will look like uh, Anthony's Thanksgiving meal. How did you handle cooking? Uh, you know, uh, a, a feast for someone that has to drop weight. It didn't look bad at all either. Like, t- tell us what you cooked. What was on the menu, Lou? And uh, how did you go about balancing flavor with the needs of cutting weight? So you know, the beauty of it is, it actually works to my advantage because Anthony loves spicy food. Mm. And to get a lot of spice, you don't have to get, you know, calories and sodium. You don't have to add a bunch of sauces. You can just throw some hot peppers in there. And, and you know, he's it almost hides almost any flavor. And it can't be spicy enough for him. You know, it's crazy. Um, so the plan was, like I said, originally I didn't know if I was going to go home for Thanksgiving. We had talked about maybe I would go home and he would spend it there. And then we're like, you know what, let's just be safe. And, and we'll just do it here, you and I and, and Coach Diego, a jiu-jitsu coach. So I said, all right, it's Thanksgiving, so you have to have turkey. But I felt more comfortable making a turkey burger. So what I did was I had some really lean brown turkey, added three kinds of hot peppers to that, some onions to that, um, grilled that up, put a fried egg on top of it just to give me some fat. I did some asparagus cooked in organic, clean bacon, and then just a uh, chopped up different kinds of vegetables, put a little bit of dressing on there, and, and tried to make the plate look pretty for social media. And tastes good for him and, and i think we accomplished that he was he was happy so i was happy That's all that mattered to me <laughs> we had charles rosa who's a featherweight as well and he he's a chef as well and he talked about the importance of like things like 
uh, you know, onions and garlic for flavor and peppers that don't have many calories, but you know, have a lot of flavor and uh, also right. also like things looking nice. Just because it gets to like a depressing, monotonous time uh, place for fighters a lot of times. You you know, so just even having color on the plate, like your plate, definitely always has. It can it can maybe even help psychologically. Well, absolutely. You hear people say all the time, and I actually joke with it because, I, you know, I don't look at it this way, but, you know, you eat with your eyes first. And I did a post a while ago. I said, you know, if you eat with your eyes, if you eat with your eyes, then your eyes would be obese. You know, you, I understand that, yeah, you want the plate to look good. Um, but, yes, it is true. If, if it's looking like something, like, again, Anthony ate that, and he was like, I, I could have this. The other day I made him a Thai dish. He loves Thai So we were just talking, and, and his girlfriend, uh, Lisette, was there as well, who's, an amazing cook, and I've learned even so much from her. Um, and he was telling me about this Thai basil dish that he had out in Thailand. And I'm listening to it, and I'm like, you know, could probably make something like that. And I started looking at the ingredients, and some of the ingredients just had way too much sodium and, and sugar, like the soy sauces and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I could maybe put like an Italian twist on this, add like a balsamic glaze to it. And, and see if I can mess around with the flavors. And I've never made this dish before. Made it for the first time. He starts eating, and he looked at me, and he was like, I, I could have this. And I was like, why? Is it good? And he's like, this, this is the best dish you've made since you've been out here. And he's like, I could eat this every day. And I was like, well, then that's – I couldn't you know, be happier. <laughs> so it, it, it's fun getting to kind of experiment. And he's easy, man. He, he If it's spicy, he's eating it. So it's kind of really <laughs> easy to, to hide some stuff from him. That's awesome. That's awesome. I I don't know if fight week might be a little bit different. But, yeah. you know, uh, at least up until this point, you could put food coloring in the water. Maybe that he'll have to spit out or something like. That. <laughs> exactly, trick him a little bit. <laughs> you know, was cooking always something that you wanted to do, or is it just kind of a hobby that's come about because, of, or something that's come about because of your interest in this field? Yeah, it's, that's a great question. I never visualize myself as, as being a cook. I don't label myself as a cook. Uh, you know, I joke around and say I'm just a cook. But as, as far as a chef, you know, I never went to culinary school. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a family where, where all the men in my family cook. So I've been around in the kitchen since I'm a little kid with my grandfather and my father um, and, and got to learn how to cook from from you know, really deep-rooted Italian roots of, of cooking. And then when I went to school, my degree in exercise science and becoming a weight management specialist, I never thought that I would be cooking for people. I always enjoyed cooking when I was younger. I thought it would kind of be, like, cool and, and impressive if I could cook, like, a good meal for a girl. Like, how cool could that be? Like, how many guys could actually cook food? Um, never really helped me out, but, you know, I you know, would try it. And, um, and then when I worked with... Johnny Hendricks for the first time is when I really actually cooked for an athlete. And, man, did I learn a lot because I'd post a picture and got ripped apart because my plating didn't look right. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Number one, I, I've never went to culinary school. Like, I don't know how to make plates look good. You know, you don't. So uh, it's been a, a really big learning curve. Uh, and um, But, you know, never something that I visualized myself doing, at least the cooking aspect. But I do enjoy it. When I go home, I don't cook anything for myself. Leave I'm so sick and tired of cooking 24-7. <laughs> Leave it to MMA Twitter to uh, rip yeah. you for your plating on food. <laughs> oh, man. I was, like, I was like all excited. I'm like, you know, my first real name fighter, Johnny Hendricks. I put a plate of food up, and, and I'm, I'm getting criticized because the plate was dirty or, like, you know, a piece of chicken was out of place. And I was like, are you, are you kidding? That was my first real lesson in, in how social media really works. 
That's hilarious. We got one last question for you, Lou, before we let you go. And thanks again for being on with us. We're on with uh, Lou Giordano, who's who's been in camp um, with with Anthony Pettis before. Pettis is huge now. Interim title fight against Max Holloway coming up. It's been a real eventful camp for you guys in many ways. You talked about Anthony being easy to work with, you know, and, and within a certain context. You've been around him a bit now. You know, you're traveling with him. You're doing all sorts of stuff. Um, you're seeing him work. What makes Anthony, in your mind, be it physical, mental, anything, um, different or special? Uh, I mean, there's so much about him that, that is different and special. To try to make it kind of a short answer, like I said, I spent fight week with him uh, in Vancouver. And I got to learn a lot about him and even myself and my program because we had to make a lot of changes because we had to lose a lot of weight very quickly. At that time, you know, I had a friend of mine. I was fortunate enough to have a friend of mine with me to help me out throughout the process so I could really just focus on Anthony and, and see where his head's at. And he is he is a gangster. I mean, there is no complaining one bit. If we had to sit in the sauna for a little bit longer, he did not complain one bit. I mean, he is stone-faced, you know, do whatever you need him to do. And, and now coming out here and like i said the first night you know cars blowing up just this morning uh, we're on our way to strength and conditioning and and people are breaking into his cars we had to rush back to the house it has not broken him at all mentally um just just the person that he is he's just operating on another level one of my favorite terms is controlled chaos i preach it to a lot of my guys but but he's like he's living it it's very scary it's calm we preach a lot of that to him and and He's just firing and moving, and, you know, like I said, this fight week's going to be a little bit more challenging a little bit in some ways, but he's, he's just mentally on another level. His worth ethic is on another level right now. Just a quick add-on question. Was anything stolen yeah. from his car? I saw the video that he posted of people uh, getting into his car. Did he actually have anything stolen? Yeah, a pair of nice sunglasses that I can't even pronounce the name. Um <laughs> That was really the only thing that was uh, that was that was taken out of there, but uh, but I mean it, it's just one of those things that again it's just another thing you know added to the list, but but has not broken. Well, I mean we're at Rufus Sports right now and and we're working out. We're going to leave here. We're going to go hit another workout. We're going to go eat some food. You know uh, we're sticking to the script. There's nothing that has has taken us off this train or this journey to to get where we want to be. And and you know now we're main event, so it's it's even better. We're really happy for you guys. And, and uh, Lou, let people know where they can find you. We're here with Lou Giordano, uh, and we really appreciate uh, you taking the time to do it, man. Where can folks find you, Lou? Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. You can check me out on social media. My uh, Instagram is Lutrition. Facebook, Lutrition. Twitter is at Lou underscore Trition. Just set up a Snapchat page because Sergio Pettis was making fun of me and, and made <laughs> me do that so I could put some meals on there. Uh, that's also Lutrition. My website's Lutrition. I do have a seminar coming up um, if you're going to be in New Jersey, Bloomfield, North Jersey, uh, January 7th. I'm going to be breaking down some walls and barriers mentally, emotionally, and then obviously on the health side. So if you guys are in that area, please definitely check it out. It'll be filmed, and I'll have it uploaded for the guys that can't, you know, can't make it. But uh, some really exciting stuff coming up soon. That's great. Lou Giordano, thanks again for being on the X-Rounds podcast with me and Mike. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Lou. Always a pleasure. Thanks, fellas. Enjoy the rest of your evening, man. You too. That was fun. I always love having Lou on. Really great guy. Really always open to talk about the stuff, good or bad, that's going on in a camp. 
Yeah, very interesting things. It'll be interesting to watch uh, Anthony Pettis' fight with everything he has yeah. to overcome. Uh, uh-huh. But at least uh, his weight's not one of them. Yeah, so. yeah, no, that's great. Uh, and it's, you know, good to have somebody there in your corner who's willing to sacrifice, no. you know, to... Uh, I don't know that he was... He didn't necessarily say that he was there to make Pettis... Stay in there to make Pettis feel safer, but, no. uh, you know, it's kind of implied. I know if that was happening to me, somebody staying with me would make me feel yeah, safer. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, good guy. Well, we that, should we should probably get on this. Yeah, we got to we got to go everybody. Thank you so much <laughs> for uh tuning in. Uh we'll see you next week same time, same place.